No, no, I want an official red under cover knife. Do you want to get rid of my leg rifle? You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Merry Christmas. Wait, jingle bells all the way. Hey, on your heels, gonna make that shake. Shake, shake, shake. Got about three hoes on my sleigh. I'm trying to tee up Christmas Day. Won't you, want you, jingle bells all the way. Hey, got them bells all on the shake. Shake, Got about three hoes all the way. Hey, got about three hoes in my sleigh. Hey. Legs up, the Hello Kitty. Hell yeah, I'm gonna prove. Y'all yeah, it's cover season. Hell yeah, but you got a man. Yeah yeah, tell him get spread up. I'm in the spirit. Yeah yeah, who's is it? Say now, I don't play. Legs up, see my face. Hell yeah, gotta see. Y'all yeah, make a play. Hell yeah, she can't wait. Yeah yeah, still awake. Spread up, oh my god. Hello everybody and welcome to the Two Red Gringos podcast. I'm Phil Bakke, joined by Patrick Staley, as always, and that is Chance the Rapper and Jeremiah. <laughs> That's how you do Christmas right there. Absolutely. And, and you got to love the Christmas story intro as well. We can get into, uh, maybe for another pod, we'll get into the classic Christmas cr- classic Christmas movies that we have. Not today, not today. That might be a... But uh, no. Solid intro. Chance, chance coming in strong again. Yeah, that's what I mean. We're going to lean on chance heavy always. We know this. Um, <laughs> but uh, we're back. Uh, it took a little bit longer, I think, than we wanted between episodes. But we're uh, we're focused on quality here, not quantity. We don't want uh, we're, frequency. We're grown, ass, grown ass <laughs> men, too. You know, we, yeah, got, with, we got stuff to do. We got jobs. <laughs> so so with that being said, and it being Friday afternoon, um, Jobs are out, and we are into into our cups, as I say. Mm. So what you you posted quite a formidable lineup of poison. So I'm I'm really interested to hear your pick your poison for today. Yeah, I'm getting a little nervous. I'm I'm lucky that this is just audio only, and that we don't <laughs> have this on YouTube yet. Because normally around like the 45 minute mark, uh, I start turning red from. Like, uh, from, from the ale, yeah, <laughs> we could call it. And now I've, I'm starting with one that when I saw it, I thought this might've been created by Phil Bakke <laughs> and it is the peyote pale ale from Baja brewing Oh God. coming in, coming in at a hefty 7%. <sighs> and because, <laughs> you know, one, one will never do. I've got my backup here, a Aguamala. Astillero IPA, um, topping wow. the peyote at seven point one percent too. So All we'll right. see, we'll see how this goes. We're in I'm for excited. in for a fun little trip. <laughs> I uh, I'm I'm coming in well below you ABV wise, um, but I do uh, I actually have a have a Christmas party later uh, with one of Erica's work friends. So I'm gonna be the DD for tonight. So I can't Ooh. get uh, I can't get. Uh, wasted so sadly um i've got uh <laughs> i've got a one that i actually was drinking during the game the other day um so not all happy memories from this beer but uh it's a zilker brewing uh parks and rec pale ale which appreciate it for the name appreciate it for uh it being a local austin beer and then also it is it was made to commemorate the 100th anniversary of zilker park um a park in austin so 100th anniversary of its founding it's a great park in downtown um that 
MLS to ATX has eyed up as a potential <laughs> stadium location. So fuck that. And I think Zilker <laughs> is kind of saying that as well with this uh, commemorative. Ale. And then I've got the classic, the the. I mean, it is the season. And so I've got. <laughs> oh, don't tell me. I've got a Shiner Not, holiday cheer oh. here just to to bring in the season, you know, with with a, a chance holiday mixtape and Shiner cheer. You can't go wrong. Um, that, so I'm, I'm well right in the there. Christmas spirit right now. <laughs> I'm very jealous, very jealous of the uh, the Shiner. I uh, I'm trying to think of ways to smuggle some up to the Chicago area because um, I've. I've oh. I've introduced Not, my my family to that beer, and they that's now their Christmas beer as well. So, one Daniel Staley, aka Darby Daniels, <laughs> who is celebrating his thirtieth birthday, texted me just the other day of himself holding a prized Shiner Cheer in the Chicagoland area. Wow, it has made its way. All right, that is good to know. Speaking of the Chicago area, so we were talking the other day, and obviously for those of you who listen regularly, you know that now neither me nor Pat are in the El Paso area, which is where this whole thing kicked off. And obviously it started, this you know podcast started recording in my uh, living room in my apartment, I think, um, where we started Excellent off. sound quality. Oh, absolutely. Just dead air <laughs> everywhere, echoing. <laughs> Yeah, it was fantastic. So, um, well, I think we actually started recording in uh, Corner Tavern, rest in peace. Corner Um, Tavern, yeah. Shout out to uh, Jose and the El Paso crew who would always chime in. Yep, and terrible sound quality in there too, but nice ambience, you know, like nice, uh, nice little background noise just to make it feel a little more alive, you know. Um, But with that being said, we haven't recorded a in-person podcast in well actually since we we actually live we did a live broadcast from the champions league final a couple years ago i don't know if you remember that out on the east side um over memorial day weekend so that was a lot of fun with a a nice big crew and uh we may be in for a return over the christmas break it's been a hot minute yeah um so we're both headed back to the chicagoland area for for christmas um and looking at a looking at a potential Boxing Day reunion with the Chicago OLSC. I think so. We got to tap into them a little bit too. I mean, I always we, we went a little bit back and forth on Twitter. I've always enjoyed the Globe Pub, in spite uh, AJ Hudson's being the the hosting bar for Chicago OLSC and others too, mm-hmm. and few murmurs that the the globe's not quite what it was um <laughs> which is which is fitting giving our giving our upcoming conversation about anfield uh yeah. <laughs> here in a little bit too but but no any any chance we can get together um my brother is going to be celebrating his 30th birthday on the day so uh i'm sure he'll he'll love to chime in with his nonsense or whatever he's got going <laughs> he's always got he's always got good banter so which He's is really what we, what we aim for here. So, uh, yeah, with that being said, hopefully there will be a, a episode from, uh, from Chicago. And uh, in that Boxing Day matchup, hopefully, well, 
follow the uh, Two Red Gringos Instagram as there will be plenty of content going on um, that day in and around Chicago. Should be a lot of fun. Um, so hopefully that happens, and and all of you, I hope, will tune in and stay tuned for that. Should be should be a blast. Um, so Pat, with this disappointment against West Brom, I don't think we can call it anything else. It wasn't as disappointing like we talked about as the as the Everton match, but with this disappointment against West Brom, the one potential let off there at the end was was Dominic Dominic Solanke's you know bundled finish uh, into the West Brom net, and I'm going to ask this one question, and we can be done with the West Brom game. Was it a handball? Yes. 100%. If that happens against us and it stands, I mean, there's no fan that would be happy with that if it's against the opposing team. So I hate the – the rule book is is so I, – I don't know. It's, it's both general and too specific at the same time in that – it what like intent is required to, or God knows what, but right. for me, if it hits the hand and it changed and if it's, you know, outside of the body in any way, and it influences, you know, a, a shot on goal or a goal itself in Solanke's case, then, then no, I mean, you can't, you can't award that. It goes, it goes straight off the hand. Yeah. That's, I mean, for me, that's the issue is if that, if it had bounced up like it did, hits his hand and then he smashes it in then i don't really see it given as a handball because it's you know it's not intent it's not oh yeah it hasn't caused anything but the fact that it comes off his hand and the, the last touch is with the hand and it goes into the net it has to be given you can't score a goal with your hand in soccer it's just not <laughs> it's not allowed like that's the whole point of the game so the frustration i think was more so with the amount of time that it took to make the call. Um, because yeah. I know I, for one, you know, I was, I was, uh, comment commentating on the game, you know, doing our whole, uh, doing that amateur announcing thing that I'm bringing that back from the good old days. Um, and, uh, in the moment it gave me just enough time to get excited about it and get worked up about the fact that, Hey, I think we just stole, a winner here right at the end. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then as soon as it's ch- chalked off, you're like, Oh, I wish he wouldn't have seen, you know, I wish he wouldn't have noticed that it was handball. But my initial reaction right as it went in was that's handball. Like yeah. when I saw it live, I thought it's a handball. There's no way that he's going to give it. He ran away and celebrated. And I thought, wow, we got away with it. You know, like, it reminded me of, of Suarez against uh, who was that like Mansfield Town or whoever it was in the <laughs> FA Cup when he yeah. he handled it and then but he but he finished it with you know he smashed it in like after he handled it and that's what that's what I think the difference is is if if it bounces down and you know straight to Solanke's foot then it turns into a goal and it's probably given because yeah it wasn't deliberate it wasn't like he you know hand of God into the, into the net. But, um, at the end of the day, if the last touch is off the hand, it's, it can't be. A goal. Yeah. I think you put it as simply as we need to, you can't score a goal in soccer yeah. with your hand. That That's yeah. kind of, that's kind of into the story. And um, I wasn't too upset about it because my stream was so bad that it cut out. And right when it comes back in, it shows one Oh, 
So I have just this moment of excitement. Right. But then I look at Solanke, and it must have been just as the ref disallowed it because right. Solanke was like looking like, you know, what the hell happened? And I'm like, oh, it must have been offsides or something. So right. then I watch the replay back, and I'm like, can't can't be upset about that. Be upset about the performances. Yeah. The the goal itself should not have stood. Um. Exactly. So with that being said, the last game probably more disappointing than the performance as as disappointing as the performance was rather than ragging on the players we want to focus on one aspect of that game which was the so-called fortress anfield um and it was actually a game right after Klopp took over against West Brom at home uh that highlighted this kind of issue that we have with our home support um, being lackluster in comparison to what we get away. So that's, that's what I want. You know, you think about playing at home and what an advantage it is. And then you watch these, some of these Liverpool games and you, every back pass is met with moans. Every misplaced touch is, is, you know, like, ah, immediately from the entire crowd. Um, there's no positivity. There's no singing. There's no, uh, getting behind the players and, and pushing them to, you know, try to get a winner. And you think about like all of the great moments at Anfield and how loud it was, how like, like we just looked at the, uh, you know, a, a few weeks ago, there was the, you know, the ghost goal that Garcia scored in the, and granted it's a champions league semifinal, but at, uh, when was the last time you heard Anfield at that, at that level, at that like decibel yeah. level? It's been, I don't know, it it just doesn't seem the same. So while at the same time, our away support seems fantastic. Like every time that we're away, you hear all of the songs like they're singing about, you know, they're singing about Suarez, they're singing about Torres, you know, like they're they're singing the songs of, of the greats of the past. They're singing the songs, you know, to support the players on the pitch. And we just don't get that at Anfield. So what what is, what's the issue with our, with our home support, do you think? I, I think it's starting to shift the focus or maybe even the blame. But this is just how Liverpool fans operate, though. We always go from one one group or one person or one player to the other, right? We always have to have someone else to blame. But what I've seen a lot of, and it was, I think it kind of reached its, it, its peak against West Brom, was a lot of really directed criticism, not towards the cop, because I think the cop kind of, it kind of mimics what what the away supporters bring, right? That concentrated fan base that that's going to be cheering and singing, but but it's difficult because you know if you're the away supporters, then <laughs> that that's it, right? It, it's you, and you have to drown out the the larger crowd. But if you think about that, if they're not being supported by the rest of Anfield, uh, the cop then it, it, it's almost more like disheartening or it's almost tougher, right? You're not like competing against other fans. There's not like this drive to keep going. Um, and what I've seen a lot of is really, and this is all just coming from people directly, directly at the games. And it's just a lot of them in the centenary, the, the homestand that, that are really, and it's not, <laughs> it's not foreigners, right? Because you and I have talked about this. Like we, <laughs> we're not going to a game and the ones that, you've got maybe two different types of people, people from out of town that, you know, you know, the day trippers or whatever that are just going for a game. 
if they're not asked enough to like chant and sing, they're not going to be the ones booing. Like fans <laughs> that have traveled from all over, they're not going to be the ones booing either. Right. So I, I think it's those. And, and what we always hear, it's the older, it's, it's the crowd that have been supporters for a long time. Like even like season ticket holders year after year mm-hmm. who just, who either it's, they don't have the energy or maybe they're just getting crotchety. But, but that's, that's what it seems to be is that there's this much larger percentage of Anfield that are just too complacent with that and just have, I don't know, not, not even unreasonable expectations, but they're just, their hearts aren't into it. It seems like. Yeah. I, I I think you hit the nail on the head. So we, I mean, we can do away with the, the tourist fallacy right off the bat because I mean, if either of us got the opportunity to see a match at Anfield, you'd have to someone would have to come and like break our legs to make us sit down, you know, <laughs> like, and, and like cut our vocal cords to keep us from singing. Like that's the, yeah. for the amount of money and the amount of, you know, time and, and like the, the dream of, of attending a match at Anfield, like we're not going to squander that chance by sitting in silence for 90 minutes or booing, you know, like, like I joked with you on Twitter that, yeah, I, I, I would travel far and wide to, uh, boo a, a Trent Alexander Arnold back pass and uh, you know, um, like and moan when you know Mane makes a mistake or whatever. It, it's just it, it's that's absurd. So that so then it is at the end of the day the people who are there day in and day out and like you said it's it's not the cop it's not like I mean for lack of a better term like the you know singing support yeah um, but the cop isn't that big especially now compared, you know, in ratio to the centenary, like the, you know, the main stand is huge now. Um, and a, a much larger ratio of the total attendance is sitting in that stand silent or booing or, you know, moaning. So at the same time, like they, you know, the cop can't be expected to out sing an entire stadium of apathetic or, you know, otherwise like, silent fans is just not going to happen. So what is, I guess, like, like, what do we do? Because in the past it was Klopp literally like screaming (laughs) into the, into the main stand, like stand up and fucking sing, like, yeah, get into it. Like he's yelling at them. He's like pumping his fists, like screaming but he can only do that for so long before people just kind of like tune tune out and like don't really pay attention. So how does Anfield turn from what it is now where, you know, away supporters can sing like where's your famous atmosphere and uh and the stuff like that that annoys us so much like how do we silence those type of things and and bring back the atmosphere that we that we so enjoy and and like brought us to the club in the first place it you're spot on too because it's not i mean anfield is part of it and i think it's just i mean the you know singing so many supporters like champions league you know number five and no five like singing you'll never walk alone at halftime rallying them like that's mm-hmm. that's what kind of draws in right not just the team itself because god help us the past <laughs> you know, decade or so hasn't been, you know, the most, the most famous in Liverpool history, but that's what we always look for too. And that's why it's so painful. It doesn't matter if you're, 
born and raised in Liverpool or El Paso or God knows where else. Mm-hmm. And I think the obvious solution that most people go to, which I hate, is to say, well, the players have to show up and put on a performance. I don't think so. They're, I mean, we've been good. This is what, what I was saying about West Brom. We've been good lately. West Brom, we were crap. But right. that doesn't mean that your support changes. I mean, that just would encourage us even more to to get behind the team. And I think the most, I don't know, something actually tangible that we could do, maybe not necessarily this year, but next season, and I know they've been talking about it, would be to do safe standing. Yeah, I think if you implement safe standing, you've got – I mean, it's just, it's a way to, I don't know if, if the, 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 the makeup wise, if that adds more seats, if it takes away, I'm not sure, but I think it gets a younger, hungrier crowd going. And I don't know. I mean, think back to like hell for us, like high school football, right? If you're standing, like you're cheering or anything like that, it, it, it just adds to it. So I think that's something, something real that we could actually say, or, or could influence in terms of making a change. Another good one that I heard was, I don't know how realistic this is, um, as Cubs fans, we might want it to be too, but um, looking at season ticket holders every year and making allocations more accessible to younger, to younger, maybe hungrier fans too. Um, you know, not that we want to really have this age divide at Anfield, um, but but I think that that seems to be a real, uh, a real issue that that they need to keep an eye on moving forward. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I agree with the the safe standing, and you can see what what standing does for atmospheres. Everyone always talks about you know, uh, in commentary. Like I've been watching a lot of Bundesliga, and in commentary, they always the English language commentators always say, "Listen to that atmosphere," or you know, they travel so well, or they. Uh, they're, you know, they're so loud the entire game and they never, you know, get out from behind their club and they're always back in their club, but they never really talk about why, you know, they don't talk about why that is. And so I think standing is part of it. Like, uh, you know, Dortmund being probably the most famous standing area. Uh, the yellow wall is, is all standing like that whole side of the stand, uh, you know, massive, uh, terrace that, that is all standing. And then, but on top of that, it's ticket prices that allow, yeah. like we said, younger a younger crowd. Because when I think about it, like I, you know, I can afford like the ticket prices of you know American sporting events like every once in a while. But like a major top four sport in America, I wouldn't be able to really sustain like season tickets year in and year out for like thousands of dollars. Like that's not really sustainable you know yeah for like the normal person <laughs> like unless you're just <laughs> cutting something else like you have to cut something else out completely to be able to maintain season tickets so yeah. when i think about england like the people who are able to afford season tickets are either making like huge sacrifices otherwise or they're you know pretty wealthy so when i think about germany and the fact that they make tickets accessible to young people and they make tickets accessible um to those who are like passionate about the club it just that is why you get the crowds that you do in germany like that's you know that's the why behind the oh like look at look at the passion look at the support you know i think we could have that but we don't really make it accessible and like with rising ticket prices each year and it's a debate between you know the supporters union and 
you know, like Spy on Cop and FSG have like these yeah. talks every year about, oh, like, can we go up to this? Can we go up to that? Like, it's never going to be a conversation of like, how low can we drop the ticket prices, you know, to make <laughs> it accessible? That's, I, and, and this isn't a, a, you know, it's not a hit on FSG. It's just, it's how it works in in England, whereas in Germany, I think the question they ask is how low can we make ticket prices rather than, you know, how high can we make them before people yeah. start getting pissed off? Um, they say, how low can we make them so that people come? Like I, like I watched a, a second, you know, a second division game in Germany today, Union Berlin against Ingolstadt and Union Berlin, like suffered this very disappointing loss where they blew blew a lead. It, I mean, it was a one nothing lead, but they lost two to one. It's the last game before Christmas, and the whole stadium stood and applauded the team off the field, like, like, hey, great first half of the season. You finished in fit, you know, you're in fifth, and like, still have a shot at promotion, kind of thing. Like, and the whole stadium was standing and applauding, and that's just not. Can you imagine, like, if if, I mean, the Premier League version of that would be fourth and fifth would be like us and Tottenham or Arsenal. Yeah. And we blow a one, nothing lead against Arsenal. They're getting booed off the field. Like, oh yeah, absolutely. Our players are getting booed off the field a hundred percent. Even if it, even if it doesn't affect, cause all, all that result did was leapfrog the team from fifth into, into fourth Ingolstadt from fifth to fourth. And, you know, union Berlin went down to fifth, but they're not getting applauded off the field and feels yeah. booing the whole time you know like and so those players are leaving with just well all right we blew it and they're not going to let us forget it you know um and i guess it's just a different mentality of of maybe it's something to do with like that feeling of ownership with the club as well but it's just something that's disheartening because at the end of the day like what is the point in being negative it's not like mane is going to be like wow they just moaned because i missed that touch like the next time i get it i'm gonna i'm gonna like you know yeah. beat three players and score um so there's just no point in being negative but yeah. there there are reasons behind why certain clubs have such good support and i don't think liverpool are really looking at you know how do we kind of exploit that and and regain that that kind of atmosphere that we want yeah and i think one one example could be very similar to that could be what type of support did we have when we hosted Chelsea, right? right. Played really well, uh, you know, a fluke goal towards the end mm-hmm. uh, allowed us to drop a couple points too. Yeah. Um, I can't really remember the Anfield atmosphere then, but I, it, you know, I there wasn't that like level of support where the, you know, it always, and maybe we're kind of merging, like we don't always know what's going on at Anfield. We also get like, you know, Twitter's Twitter's a very cold place whenever points are dropped. Um, yeah, no kidding. And maybe there's that part too. And I, I've heard some argue like, oh, all the you know social media supporters groups are contributing towards atmosphere at Anfield. Let's be honest, that's bullshit. Because <laughs> if right. you're blaming like an in, an in, in older like non-responsive or negative crowd, they're not on Twitter checking their phones to. <laughs> to you know to see what you know james pierce is saying or <laughs> what manhattan doc or whatever his new twitter handle is um, captain arse biscuits <laughs> <laughs> you know that i mean that's ridiculous too but i yeah. i think safe standing goes 
I don't know how realistic it, it would be to, you know, restructure or even refinance season tickets, but I think safe standing makes it, makes it more accessible. If that's like just kind of general admission, um, or open to Liverpool supporters early so that, and if it's, if it's priced fairly, then you could just, I don't know, like bring in some architects, bring in, you know, bring in some, uh, acoustic experts so that they can see where can we kind of position this within Anfield to amplify the sound to do that. Cause it plays a huge difference. That's why so many, I mean, maybe spurs that happens in the NFL all the time when you switch to a new stadium, you lose some of that atmosphere. Right. Um, so that definitely, I'm not saying let's pipe in some songs cause that's an, <laughs> that's an embarrassment. <laughs> yeah. That's but, plastic. But look into that. See how see how you could structure it to make sure that you know those voices will carry the same as the cops and and hopefully somehow motivate those in the main stand to because it's not everybody, right? But I think if you're if you're just getting a ticket and you're in that area and you're surrounded by people who aren't, then you're going to be a little bit disenfranchised to kind of sing up, stand up and sing and, and give some support. But if it's happening right. in other places all around you then you use that. And it's, I mean, it's infectious. Once it happens in one area, it kind of spreads to another. So yeah. it was really disappointing because I went back and I watched the the West Brom game again and just hearing like, you know, you get, and this is almost standard now at Anfield where these home games that don't necessarily go our way, I think Champions League might be a little bit different. There's a different vibe to them. Against Spartak, it seemed, it seemed pretty good. Yeah, But it's like, you got you'll never walk alone before kickoff you've got maybe a couple minutes of singing and then it's if there are no goals it's nothing you get a couple roars if there's a counterattack yeah and then same thing like against West Brom maybe the last 10 minutes and into extra time is when the fans really pick up too um and that's just not good enough so whatever i mean fans have to look at themselves first and foremost if you're going to a game you're going to support right and that that shouldn't even have to be stated and that's something that will motivate the players. You know, people respond to positive atmosphere and positive vibes right. positively. If you're booing at Carius, who had a good game and who <laughs> one of his best qualities is his quick distribution, mm-hmm. I I can't imagine why you would actually boo that for any reason. And no. and that's just I don't know. That just goes into maybe a more negative atmosphere where it has to be. It's got to be a certain group. It's got to be a certain group of people that are going in there with a negative mindset ready to boo because that's that's the only way to explain it. Yeah. Uh, so saying all that, and and I think uh, I think it it can get better and it it should get better um, as Liverpool, the club, and and the supporters kind of look at how to how to do better. And now that I think most people have accepted that it's not the tourists, but regardless of all that. This weekend, uh, we've got Bournemouth, and we're away. So we don't have to worry about, about quote-unquote, Fortress Anfield for a while, um, or a little while at least, as we head to the south coast to Bournemouth. Um, do you feel better going away and kind of getting away from that whole conversation um, and just getting a fresh, uh, a fresh look at a, at a Bournemouth side that has kind of struggled this year? Um, away from the pressures of Anfield? I don't know. I'm a little bit worried about Jordan Ibe. <laughs> <laughs> if he's healthy and fit, well, he hasn't scored a single goal, I don't think, for, for Bournemouth nope. in the Premier League. Um, got a couple of assists this year. Mm-hmm. But 
luckily I didn't bring my eye jersey, eye kip with me to Mexico. Otherwise, <laughs> um, I don't know, maybe in some type of voodoo, I would wear it and, and jinx him. But, um, no, I think our away results aside from city in city, I think that the red card changed everything. Yeah. Um, Tottenham was just a lover in show. Mm-hmm. Aside from those two results, what were were four wins and two draws? And yeah. I mean, our our away form has been, like I said, aside from those two, has been really solid. So uh, no, and I and I think Klopp seemed to have tried it maybe against West Brom to a lesser extent Everton. Um, yeah. But he seems a little bit more willing to change. We know he's rotating this year, but changing the formation. Right. And adapting it. And that has seemed to work pretty well. Uh, what against teams like Stoke where it in, in what uh, Huddersfield, I think, where it took us a while to break them down. Um, but then after we got that first goal, the whole thing changes, too. So right. that's that's hopefully we can get. I think, you know, unless depending on the team, I don't know if Bournemouth's one that you really have to restructure for. But depending on the team selection, you know, just stick with the four, three, three. Mm-hmm. talk about the midfield but you stick with your you stick with your best 11 your attacking formation and then shift if if we need to but the away form's been good so i think there's you know we've got a couple draws but other than that we've been in really good form lately and we've been taking care of the teams that we should have taken care of um you know everton west brom uh, <laughs> being the uh exclusions to that yeah i think i mean away from home we've been handing out absolute beatings like um Stoke, Brighton, uh, Huddersfield. We've just been smashing teams away from home yeah. um, recently. And it is, I mean, yeah, it's been about that, you know, getting that first goal um, and breaking them down and kind of drawing them out and then and then beating them on, on the break from there. But that, I mean, that's been Klopp's approach. That's going to be Klopp's approach regardless. But if we've been a lot better about getting that first goal um, and not conceding that first goal, which has been our problem, you know, so often in the past uh, away from home. So last year, though, uh, was a case of multiple multiple blown leads and then ultimately, you know, the utter nightmare of, of conceding a fourth um, off a, you know, just uh, set piece and Nathan Ake, you know, scores a winner. And I'm still trying yeah. to forget it. Um, <laughs> but we were in... We were in the Toxic Thunder. I think that was the name of the kit. Toxic uh, Thunder, yeah. Toxic Thunder. Uh, we were in Toxic Thunder last year. Do we see the, I'm calling it Tropic Thunder, but Bold Citrus, I think, is the, is the, name, <laughs> of our, is the name of our kit now. Is, is Bold Citrus uh, going to continue its reign of, because uh, we, in that kit, we've been scoring goals nonstop. Um, Mirabor was that. kind of the start of it, but it's just been in the orange kit. We've just been absolutely smashing teams. I get to get my, who am I go to for, for stats, either Dan Kennett or, uh, or, uh, Simon. I think it's Brundish. Yeah. Um, my new favorite this year. <laughs> got to tap into them to say, Hey guys, go back anytime that we're wearing, I like Tropic Thunder. We're going to stick with that one. Right. Um, anytime we're wearing Tropic Thunder, what, you know, what's our, what's our goals, goals for goals against. Cause I, I mean, I don't, is there something, uh, who is it? The, um, uh, Sanchez for, um, Renato Sanchez. Yeah. Did you see the clip where he passed it to <laughs> the, to the, the advertising advertisement board yeah. or whatever? Cause it was the same color. 
Yeah. I, I'm thinking back to like my high school playing days and I'm like, you know, we take for it. We get to see it from, you know, the, the best view in the house. Like you're on the field, you're in that first person view and things are happening a mile a minute. I, yeah, these are professionals, but I think that that's got to play into it. If you are able to look up and you see these like just neon bright orange, almost Dutch like kits staring back at you, yeah. maybe it's easier to pick out that, that, that final pass. But, um, no, I don't know. I think, uh, what's, uh, is it red and black? Is that Bournemouth's home kit? Uh, yeah. Red and black stripes, <clears throat> But they've they, I, they have worn the orange kit. They wore the orange kit against Stoke, I believe, who were wearing red and white. So the red and white, maybe yeah. They I, have gone. They have gone close because it is it is fairly different. Yeah, they might just for color's sake. I don't know how different the our the green and white and black kit is the away kit that we have. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, anytime I see the orange kits, I get a little, a little bit excited because. <laughs> If they keep up that scoring rate with them, then those those third kits are the ones that are most likely to go on sale. So maybe For I'll sure. maybe I'll have to grab one of those. So so with that, I think the biggest player that everyone well everyone's kind of ragging on right now. Not that it's necessarily deserved, but um, Sadio Mane. He he had a rough performance against West Brom. Everyone is still talking about the the Everton. You know, he's made one bad decision, so he obviously should be crucified. Um, <laughs> But Sadio Mane did have a bit of a poor performance against West Brom. Do you think that he bounces back against Bournemouth and kind of gets back to the level and shuts up the the haters, so to speak? Yeah, because who who played well against West Brom? <laughs> uh, Carius uh, and Trent? maybe Firmino. Yeah, Firmino. Trent. I thought you know strikers are always limited by you know the type of service or build up play that they receive. I thought Firmino held his own for what he had coming to him. Yeah. Uh, I think our uh, Arnold uh, Trent specifically against West Brom, and it's tough because you know here may be a downside of, of uh, stats that we're using, but against Everton, like the uh, the the quality of of corners of uh, of balls into the box. Those two games, especially, like I said, from Trent and West Brom, I thought those were some of the best we've had. Yeah. But I still think – but so many of them just didn't connect. Like they were just – they were just close. Um, and so it's tough because if you look at just stats in there, oh, it's – you know, it it's goes as a, a failed cross, a failed attempt or whatever. Um, so Trent did well. But no, nobody – Really, nobody played their best against West Brom, Absolutely. and so Mane is like you said; it's just building off of his his poor decision when we have what a, a, a four on two, basically. Yeah. But how many times have we seen good strikers just take it on themselves and and bag a goal? Salah's done it plenty of times, and so if he scores, no big deal, right? Um, and that's what we kind of want. We want that cutting edge. So it is what it is. It, it might've ended up costing us, but Everton, I'm more upset about the, the, the decision than anything else. But right. no, I mean, what last time, last premier league away game we had was Stoke. And I think Mane man of the match yeah. for that one too, goal and assist. So no, I, I don't even know if it's so much of a case of bouncing back as it is just Mane being Mane. So I've got yeah. my Mane kit right on right now. And so despite, uh, uh, it's not even Liverpool Twitter. Literally, I saw one or two people that said something negative about Mane yeah. in terms of him being jealous of Salah, and other people just ran with it. So, <laughs> no, I'm 
I'm not even going to give that another second because no. it's just ridiculous. He's by far what, you know, it's him. Solid, our, our front four just as good as it gets in the Premier League too. So yeah. finding reason to ridicule, ridicule Mane, who's been nothing but world class for us, is outrageous. Yeah, and I think it's a case of of city syndrome uh, where Manchester City are you know they're finding ways to to beat everybody that they play. Yeah. Um, they're just ticking along at a, at a rate that is, you know, otherworldly at this point. And everybody looks at that and says, you know, why aren't we at that level? Like if our front four is so good, you know, why aren't we keeping up with city? Yeah. It's like, no one is keeping up with city. Everybody <laughs> is well off the pace. They are playing at a, you know, at a ridiculous, um, at a ridiculous level right now. And it's just not, it, it you know, not only is it not, within capabilities of us. It's not within the capabilities of maybe any team on earth right now to keep <laughs> up with city. Um, they're just, yeah, it's, they're, it's they're a, pep, it's right a pep team. Yeah. That's fully firing. They're, they're madness right now. So the one part of the team that I think, well, you know, we, we've, we've had plenty to say about the defense in the past, but the midfield is the one area where at West Brom, it really looked rough it like the midfield really seemed to struggle um yeah i i my gut tells me that you know with hendo being rested against against west brom he's back in the team is it going to be emre who's who's sacrificed or do you think uh do you think there's a a different move in there i mean i don't know i think if it depends on coutinho's positioning but if it's if hendo's holding Chan can play that one autumn role, but that you'd have to have Coutinho in there. But if it's just like a a Chan Hendo Milner midfield, that's not giving us anything. But Wijnaldum at this point, I, I str- even when in games where he's good, he's not that good. He is a a luxury player that when you have a midfield three, we just can't really afford that. And uh, he does he does little things that you know space wise covering for defense, but I I can't remember the last time he put in a performance to warrant his inclusion. Even in in home games this year, he hasn't been the same player. And so I just he's to me automatically the first one that I mean maybe aside from our center backs, but there's nobody to take their place. I don't know why you don't go with. Um, with Ox in the midfield to offer you something that's maybe a little bit more dynamic. I don't think he he's as strong in the midfield, but at least there's that, that potential threat there with being able to be players off the dribble. But I mean, when Autumn, I think it's the, the conservative nature that he plays in is, is, is good for controlling games. But I don't know if you're, if you're starting a game, I don't, I don't know why he's in the starting lineup. For, for our squad, I just I, I haven't I can't remember the last time I saw something that that he brought to the squad. It's it's sad, really, because I, I love Jeannie Vinaldum. I like. Yeah, and, me too. You know, he's he's one of those players who you want to score. Like, I just always remember that goal against Arsenal uh, last year when, you know, Divock Origi played that ball in on the counter and Vinaldum finishes it and runs away and his glaring teeth, you know, <laughs> blind to the cop because he's he's all smiles and everything love love him you know as a as a as a person he's a fantastic he is a great player uh on his day the problem is that when i look and i watch you know 
Leipzig and I see Nabi Keita play, I know exactly what he's going to bring and who he's going to replace. So I see Genie Vinaldum yeah. and I'm like, yep, that's exactly where Nabi Keita is going to make the difference because he's going to not only control the space, but he's going to carry the ball forward. He's going to beat players on the dribble. He's going to find that, you know, pass that unlocks the defense. And right now, Vinaldum's not doing any of that. He's not yeah. able to carry the ball out of midfield. He's not able to really find that, you know, incisive pass. Um, and so I just look and it's like, okay, every quality that Nobby has, like, is what Genie just isn't <laughs> able to provide right now. Yeah. Um, and it's frustrating because, you know, you see that level of quality and it, and it is, you know, I, I hate to look at Nobby and say, like, I wish we had him in the team because that's been the discussion, you know, like, oh, can we get him in January? No, we can't fucking get him in January. He's not coming until next summer <laughs> and we just have to all accept it. But it is, there's so much of him that I want in the side right now. And Vinaldum just like, isn't there. So I'd almost rather, like you said, uh, Oxley Chamberlain and like the fucked up part about Vinaldum is that he makes me this year, makes me want Adam Lallana back in the team. And that is <laughs> like, that's nonsense. That should never happen. Um, and, it, and it's so frustrating for me to say that, but that's just, I mean, that's the reality is Lalana at least has that ability to, you know, kind of cause problems, I guess, for yeah. the other team. And, and Vinaldum just isn't, he isn't causing problems. He just, he gets so indecisive in the area and he like mishandles a ball anytime he's in the like attacking third. And it's just because he's so good in the center of the field, but it's the only place he's good. Um, yeah, and it's just it, it's it's really frustrating to watch because he is. I mean, he's been such a good player for us at times, and and it's just you want him to succeed. It's just he's just not there. I I, I don't really know what's up, but he's just he's not having. Uh, like you said, he hasn't had performances yeah. that that merit him being selected week in and week out. And I mean, he chalked up last season enough goals and assists to say, hey, you know, he. He, he had a, a, a decent contribution, but I mean, he, he's, he's got at least one, maybe a few important goals for us. But aside from that, I mean, you can tell that there's quality there, but I don't know. We brought him, we brought him in as an attacker, like as either, you know, a, a 10 or a seven or 11. And he's just, he's been, he's played center back more than yeah. he has in the front three. So, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's, Maybe it's just not. I I think he's the type of player player that 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 Klopp will like because he's always he's always positive. He's always going to put in effort, but it's just not that cutting edge that that you have to have at this top level. And you mentioned Lalana, and if he's fit, I mean, I put him in because Lalana, even a player like Oxley Chamberlain, is you've got players that are going to take people on, and that's what we've been missing. I mean, Coutinho's really our only one in the midfield. Chan on his day, you know, will go, will be an absolute tank, but for whatever reason, that's too few and far between. Right. But Lalana and Ox are, they'll take people on. I don't think either of them are, you know, world class players by any means, but it unnerves defenders, it upsets them, and it breaks up this monotony of, you know, sideway passes are necessary, but. One of the who's our who's our go-to um, uh, U.S. guy we had on the podcast before. Oh, John Townsend. 
John, John, he he does. He's had some of the best analysis I've seen of. It's just standard, typical. You know, back passes, side passes are good. Keep possession, get out of danger, set something else up. But it's just too routine and it's too standard and it's too easy to defend against. And he's made a really good job of pointing that out. So if you've got players that are willing to take people on, then at least that causes chaos. (laughs) And we're we're a team that's when we're at our best is when it's at a frenetic pace is when it's a little bit chaotic. And even if we lose possession, it's not a terrible thing because we're at our best when we can win that possession back and cause some problems. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And and that's kind of the it's the personality the team has. Like I, I've gotten to the point where I'm when an opposing team takes a corner, I'm both terrified and excited because I know that (laughs) I know that we're likely to concede um, because we don't defend them that well, but we're also likely to score because multiple times this season, you know, Mane and and Salah have picked the ball up from a corner and taken it to the other end and scored immediately. Um, And so, uh, that is that chaos, like you said, is is exactly where this Liverpool team lives and and where it makes its money. Um, and yeah, when we get predictable, which it's happened in most of the draws that we that we've suffered this year, where we you know kind of struggle to break teams down, is when we don't create that chaos for the other team, um, and we become predictable and we and we look like in this West Brom game, like we did, you know that made me think back to some of the, you know, some of the low points and some of the just drab draws that we, that we've seen in the past of, um, you know, plenty of which we watched at, at corner tavern where we just, yeah. we sat and we passed the ball around the midfield back and forth. And, but there was no incisiveness, you know, there was no, no one entering the attack. And if Coutinho is the only one of the front three that will make that transition from, you know, midfield to attack, then we're never going to do anything because teams are going to be able to to sniff that out and see it coming. So, like, West Brom knew exactly, every time Coutinho picked the ball up, they knew exactly what he was going to try to do. He was going to either cut inside and try to shape for the shot, or he was going to try to chip something over the top for someone running in behind. And, you know, it made it to the point where Johnny Evans was literally looking uh, like he was handling everything, you know, in a routine manner. And he, he's garbage. Like he's not a good defender. now, now linked to Liverpool after oh, the performance. Yeah. I, I don't even want to, <laughs> I don't even want to talk about that. Former Manchester United player, not good. Shocking. Plays for West Brom. Like new, new low for Liverpool. Yeah. Twitter. Steven, Steven Calker, like times 10. <laughs> I well Well, first off the, the the corners that we have now can best be described in in gift form yeah. by the dad from Modern Family, right? Where I I don't know where, he, but he's like shaking his head, like no, 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 <laughs> and then nodding, yes, yes, yes. That's yeah. <laughs> the, those are our corners now because we know we're still suspect. I yeah. I think defensively, I I don't know. I think we've improved, but it's hard to gauge because teams just don't come out and attack us. Right. Um, but at least we're. It seems like those issues have been <laughs> been addressed a little bit, yeah. and that we we do have that positive nature. But West Brom, we were way too narrow, and even like we've got, and this has been a big thing, like players that can beat other players off the dribble over the past week or so on Twitter. Yeah, um, we've got a lot that are capable, but the just the simple like 
balls that we were putting in the box for Firmino, for Solanke, for even for Salah and, and Mane, we're just asking them to kind of hold up play in the final third. And mm-hmm. how easy is it? I was a, a crap defender for most of my <laughs> playing days. How easy is it if a player's just there just to poke the ball out? And that happened time and time again against West Brom. But get them wide, give them some space, right. take players on, and that's what causes confusion too. So yeah. that that's what we need to do more because I think Oxcan, Lalana can, and our top our, our front four from Coutinho, Firmino, Salamane can all take players on. So we just gotta open up the space to give them that opportunity to do so. So that's why I always think it's good to go with that four three three. Right. And then if if we need to, if something's not happening, you know, switch wings with Mane and Salo or or, or switch to the the classic FIFA four two 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 and 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 see what happens. But but no, we've we've got the talent there. So especially now we've Klopp has brought in players that we didn't you know, we just didn't have that level of talent when, when Suarez left. There is that gap and and we really struggled. So now with Coutinho in midfield and, and two world class players on the wing there's no reason not to go straight at teams from from wide and attack them, and that's I mean, that that's why City are so good is that they've got that 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 width. Even the reason why United score so many goals and, and they play such horrific style of football <laughs> is that I mean, think Martial this season and players just know how to operate that wide space, and so we've got those players. So it's frustrating when our midfield is constantly feeding them with these just simple sideways and then passes directly to them that are easy to defend against. Yeah. I, I, I think you're, I think you're spot on. And, and it's just one of those things where, uh, we, we see in a game, um, like the Everton game, the way that we broke the deadlock was Sala beating players from a wide position. And then, I mean, obviously he's scoring a, a spectacular goal. There's no, um, you know, I'm not saying that, oh, just go go ahead and score worldies and we'll be fine. Like, that's obviously not a strategy. We joked about that with uh, <laughs> with with Pep. Someone was like, someone was like, oh, like, look at Pep's style or whatever, like on this goal. And it's like, well, you know, if he said <laughs> go out and score a world class goal, then every manager would just quit their job because like management is over and and we all know how to how to do stuff. But the bottom line is attacking that space from wide and creating like dilemmas for those defenders is the whole way that we break down teams that, that try to sit back against us. So we try to make them, you know, commit or overcommit. And in the case of solid, like a defender overcommits to try to win a ball in the air with him, he brings it down and cuts inside and now he's already taken two defenders out of the equation and can use the third defender to curl the ball into the far corner, you know? So yeah, when we're running straight at, you know, um, West Brom's defense, like rather than trying to find ways around it and even using Robertson, um, Robertson was so deep, whereas, and a couple of times they tried and it didn't work, but trying to get him into those like, Moreno positions for lack of a better term where he just drills across uh, uh, you know right across the face of goal um that has worked in you know games against Sevilla and stuff where we have the runners we know that people are going to get into the box and try to score um 
But floating crosses from deep is never going to work when you've got a front three of Firmino, Salah, and Mane. Like, you can't just float them in there against big defenders. And so, um, I don't know. I think I think against Bournemouth, our biggest help is, one, them being at home uh, helps us because when people come to Anfield, they sit deep, and that's just that's just the way things are. Um, so I think we may be helped by the fact that they're at home and they may try to go out and attack a little bit more. Um, but I think we'll also be helped by the fact that I, uh, I think our attackers, um, I mean, they're, they're fantastic players. So there, there's, I think we can create dilemmas for this Bournemouth defense. Um, but with all that being said, I'm going to go ahead and put you on the spot predictions for Bournemouth. What do you think we come away with? let's go three one i'll go three one okay because you know it's never it's never that routine for us to say like i I was an idiot and i said all right west brom it's going to be a quiet 2-0 yeah yeah, yeah. i mean i got i got the quiet part right (laughs) (laughs) one of those right so that's two out of three right two out of three is not bad yeah um Let's let's go three one. Let's go three one. I think um, we'll see. I think Lalana or Ox will get some minutes if if Lalana's fully healthy. I think he's back in training. I don't know, um, yeah, but I'll go with a, a goal from maybe one of our more attacking minded midfielders. Uh, the simple answer is to say Salah, and then uh, I'll go <laughs> Firmino. I'll go Firmino too, just because okay. he he just looks like he's in the mood this season. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if I was fit and playing, then uh, I'll say Jordan Ibe gets his first goal for and Premier League goal for Bournemouth against us. Okay, yeah, I was I was I was gonna go for three one. I I'll I'll go for a little more precarious Uh-oh. victory. I think I think it may be maybe three two. Uh, and I'm gonna go for I'm gonna go for Mane back amongst the goals. Um, good show. Good show. Say I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Bobby Brace. Ooh, um, that would just make your day. Yeah, but I'm I'm saying that for a couple of reasons. <laughs> One, I think uh, I think too much is being made of. Well, I think Salah like scoring at the rate that he did in the first half probably not going to happen the rest of the season. Not saying that he's not going to continue to be great. I I really think he's a fantastic player and it's not that he's, you know, overachieving. It's he really is this good. That's um, him. But I you know, scoring at the rate that he was not necessarily sustainable. Um but I'll also say that the two Bournemouth goals, one will be Jordan Ibe because God hates us <laughs> and karma is real, you know. <laughs> But the second will be Jermaine Defoe because fucking, of course, Jermaine Defoe will score against us. Yeah, that's, it's, that's too. It is yeah. tradition. And he'll probably score off, you know, like, I mean, not a beach ball this time, but probably, you know, something equally <laughs> as stupid. Um, but I don't think Liverpool will get robbed of the points down on the South Coast. I think they will um, will get the three points. I, I think anything less than a win at this point is, is going to be very disappointing and it's going to bring about these kind of calls that everybody is having of, Oh, same old, same old, like headed into the festive period. We'll never win a game till February. Um, yeah. And I, I don't think that's true. I, I mean, we literally look at, we were, you know, a, a refereeing decision away from a win against Everton. 
Um, we were, I mean, absolute shit against West Brom, but we still almost won. You know, that's yeah. like we, <laughs> I mean, we still almost lost also. Uh, who was it who hit the post uh, for oh, West God, Brom? Yeah. Rondon hit the post late in the game. But we, so we, yeah, we almost uh, won both games. Yeah, we're, we're a break away, you know, a, a, a bounce of the ball away from wins in both games. And, you know, we're having a totally different conversation heading into Bournemouth. So with this, I think the win just kind of a win would just do so much to stop kind of stem that negativity that's creeping in, um, to the, to the Liverpool fan base. So I just, I want them to win so that everybody will like shut the fuck up online about (laughs) how bad this team is when they're not like that. We're in, we're in the fight for top four, which is exactly where we want to be. We knew that we knew that we're you know we weren't necessarily challenging for titles um, from the beginning, and with City playing the way they are, we're definitely not. But I I really think it a win would just set things up to be a little bit more positive going into the actual you know very busy period around uh, around Christmas. So here's hoping. Um, <laughs> But you've got me staring at, and you've even enlarged now in our, in our Google Doc, you've <laughs> enlarged the picture of the pass map from Everton. And I don't, what are you Let me why, tell you why. Let me tell you why. <laughs> why, are you doing, why are you doing this? It, it's even bigger now because <laughs> you can't see. There's only one passing lane. So <laughs> it is now, let me make it a little bit smaller. <laughs> the the pass map that Everton have against us. Yeah. That honestly is probably since the time we played Everton before and Lucas was taking pop shots at him from like 30 yards out. Right. Like where, where Klopp is laughing his ass off on the sideline. That's why I was so enraged after that defeat. Yeah. Because uh, I don't want to say you award or don't award a penalty based on <laughs> based on like circumstance or or you know how well the team has played, but Everton did not deserve that penalty. Like they they deserved like not just not to have that penalty called, but to have like a Suarez esque smack it away from goal with your hands, like blatantly allowed. They were so bad. Yeah. And we, we looked forward to that pass map almost like that was my Christmas day when uh, 11, Ding and 11 posted that because – and it mirrored exactly what we thought. Yeah. So I had to enlarge it because when you look <laughs> at it from just like maybe you're just glancing at it on your mobile phone, your mobile. <laughs> oh, also, uh, side note here, whenever uh, – so Alan Rickman in Love Actually, whenever he says, you're on mobile. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, that's one of my favorite parts of Love Actually. But anyway, rest in peace. Rest in peace, Alan. Whenever it's, whenever it's so – you cannot see. The only passing lane you can see, and I just enlarge it again to make sure, is from Pickford to, to Calvert-Lewin. Calvert-Lewin. Yep. Like that's, that's the only one. There are some tiny ones where maybe they accumulated three lines, three passes. Yep. So only a handful of players accumulated three passes. Everybody else – they're all on islands. It looks like a starting eleven, like it, lineup, but like that you'd find in a pregame program. Yeah, I, it I, was. I don't know. It both it it makes my day and it it ruins my day all at the same time when I remember <laughs> the result. It's so the yeah the worst part about this is obviously is obviously the fact that 
Liverpool only, you know, didn't get anything out of the, or, you know, only got a draw out of this match. And, and what you said about, about deserving the penalty just brings to mind. So after the West Brom game, Klopp was asked, asked about the handball and he said, we didn't deserve luck at that point. Like we didn't deserve, we didn't play well enough to deserve, you know, a handball goal. Um, where, you know, if he had played really well, he would have felt, oh, yeah, like we played really well. We should have gotten a break or something like that, you know. Yeah, what? Well, you make we your played, own luck, right? We played like shit, yeah. So wh- looking at this, like you said, <laughs> they didn't deserve a penalty, let alone, you know, like they didn't deserve. God, I can't, like, I, <laughs> what I said after the game is, like, when you look at this and you see, and, and for those who don't follow at 11, Tegan 11, so 1-1, T-E-G-E-N, 1-1. It's one of the best analytic, like, analytics accounts on Twitter. you you got to follow him. They're he, absolutely great. And they do they do analytics for tons of, tons of matches worldwide. But when you look at this, it's literally, you can't even describe what, the, like, what they played as football. They, were, they weren't even playing football. I, I don't even know what this is this is goalie kicking to striker <laughs> and then everybody in between just kind of running around like yeah. they didn't do anything and they didn't oh god they did not only did they not deserve anything they it's just it's so maddening that that they got a result off of this and to have sam allardyce's name across the top oh, as well god. is just like doubly oh. maddening because you know that fat smug piece of shit just love the fact that he he knew that he just, just stole a point. Soon has come. Just oh god, the absolute god, worst. It, had to the, had to vent that. The the English too. That's why your your shout for Defoe was spot on because it's been the Allardyce Rooney and then the <laughs> the the, uh, the West Brom manager uh, Alan Pardew. It's been the uh, oh Pardew, yeah, 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 yeah Pardew, yeah. Oh, I mean, Pulis said it in stage for for Pardew to come in and right. just continue on exactly what he was doing. Yeah, but it, it's been the all England show against us. And the last thing I'm gonna rant on is my uh, my tweet the other day when I saw the Liverpool bench and it was Mignolet and all yes. Englishmen, and I posted the full picture. I, I mean, I'm okay. I don't need the fanfare, as Larry David says. <laughs> but I felt that that could have used a few more favorites and retweets from from the followers out there too. But but no, hopefully we get uh, an Egyptian, uh, you know, <laughs> and, and some other foreigners bagging goals and some some away foreigners making some noise too to to crowd out the the natives. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think uh, anyone making the trip to Bournemouth. Uh, you know, all the way down to the South Coast uh, will definitely be in full voice as this game kicks off. Uh, one can only hope. Um, I think, like we said, it's it's important to put these couple of results behind us, and I think we just, I think I think this team bounces back with a win. Um, but we we shall see. Um, I uh, I think with that. I think we've reached we've reached the culmination as long as we got that everton pass map out of the way that was uh you know i put in the google hashtag never forget the the most 
vomit inducing style of football I've ever seen. So absolutely. But no, aside, aside from we've been playing some beautiful football lately, yeah. and then hopefully, what is it? Sunday, Sunday we get the result we need. Yep. And then you know we have a. Uh, it's, a, it's always a busy winter period in the Premier League, too. So we got a busy uh, busy winter coming up with us in Chicago. And then, like I said, I'm going to be in the Austin area come January, too. So uh, a lot, lot of big things in store for the Gringos. Yeah. That's uh, – yeah, I'll be, I'll be back in Chicago starting uh, – well, on Saturday. So I'll be back in the Chicagoland area uh, for that game on Sunday. Definitely be watching. Um, Nice, uh, nice later kickoff. I think it's like an eleven o'clock kickoff or something like that. Um, maybe a nine thirty. I can't, I can't remember. But either way, a little bit of a later kickoff. Not one of those god awful early mornings. Um, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, just uh, I'm I'm looking forward to this game because I really do think we can get something out of it. Um, I think we'll right the wrongs of of the collapse last year um, away at Bournemouth and. Uh, and back to winning ways for the Reds, hopefully. Um, with that, I mean, hopefully I'll uh, I'll be seeing you back in back in Chicago in in a few days. Back in the shy. Oh, yeah. I got to give one more shout out to to Brian. One more shout out to Brian. I told him I gave him a shout out. I I told him I wouldn't give the real reason why, but I feel like I have to now because you know I've been in El Paso past couple of weeks. Uh, yep. I got to see the guys maybe two weeks ago. Uh, Brian and I go to I think it was Malo La for nice. you know just just a little nightcap just a drink miss Malala. and you know we've got some tequila i let him know that now the proper way to go is mezcal yep and you know i go to the bathroom i come back ghost me ghost <laughs> me completely <laughs> where did he go the, i have i have no idea you know i just you know it, it i think what he wanted me to do is walk out in the parking lot i think he might have recorded this like looking like because he always posts that john travolta gif yeah gift for me yeah like looking around like so I, I assume that that's he was lurking somewhere in the shadows, recorded me looking around like John Travolta, and it's <laughs> it's going to be a it's going to be a gift spread spread far and wide anytime soon. But, oh boy! But no, it's always good seeing the guys too. So uh, shout out to the El Paso crew, and yeah, looking looking forward to seeing you soon. Yeah, of course. Um, well, with that, uh, this has been the two Red Gringos. Um, uh, Phil Baki for Patrick Staley. Uh, if you're if if you enjoyed what you heard, check us out. Uh, you probably found us on Twitter at Two Red Gringos, Two Red We're on YouTube, Two Red Gringos, <laughs> and uh, also Instagram, Two Red Gringos. We're all over the place. So if you're looking, we're probably there. Um, go ahead and uh, check us out and enjoy our old stuff too on our website, Two Red With that, uh, that's pretty much it. Adios. 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 We're like Lendl Global now. We're in everything. Shit ain't been the same since 2015. I lost a lot of people in 2016. The Lord told me they want men for me. These hoes won't get arrested from me. If I get locked down, would you send for me? She ain't go for you, but she went for me. Hey, look what you done done to me. Remember when I used to make fun of me? I pull up black trucks and it run for me. Blue cheese. This is like the post credit stuff for like a Marvel movie. <laughs> if people stick around for this. Yeah, you gotta have you gotta have the one and then you don't know like do I need to stick around a little bit more? Right. Should I is there anything coming like another five minutes? Who knows?
Well, I mean, I didn't even talk about uh, well, and I'm not going to, cause that's like its whole other thing. But the whole Austin thing, I saw a flyer uh, for MLS to ATX, and I literally almost pulled it down. <laughs> like I wasn't, oh, I'm, I wasn't I'm drunk a little enough. offended that you didn't. I, I, I wasn't drunk enough. <laughs> I definitely like. It, it's funny because so last week Army Navy, I. Uh, Oh, I got yeah. shit-faced after Army-Navy. Like, blackout drunk. I haven't been that drunk in a long time. Um, and uh, so after Army-Navy, we were out. And I, the next day, I was like, I'm shocked that I didn't accost someone actively about how <laughs> fucked up the whole, like, MLS thing to Austin. Yeah, it's just, oh, it's trash. I, I do like following along with you on social media whenever you get really fired up about uh, <laughs> Army dude. Navy or, or whatever, oh. whenever that game's going down. Dude, Army Navy is like next level stuff. Army's bowl game actually, it, it's kind of, it kind of sucks because Army's playing in a bowl game on December 23rd in Dallas, but we're going to be in Dallas starting the 28th. So if they were playing in a more, you know, prominent oh yeah then we'd be able to go but there's a lot of people from like from fort hood who are who are going so should be pretty well attended and it's the armed forces bowl so they're like handing out tickets to veterans and stuff so yeah no that's cool yeah but but yeah i get yeah i get pretty fired up for army navy especially since i had to watch well, I watched four years of losing while I was there, and then a fifth year <laughs> after I graduated, I went to the game again, and they lost also. So, yeah, I got one winning. of my good buddies from uh, from high school is a uh, is a Navy guy, so he's always posting posting the opposite end. Yeah, so you're getting both sides. Uh, Wait, so were you? Let's talk about. I don't know if we're on there or off there, but let's talk we're, about these these there. Christmas these Christmas parties. Yeah. So you said Erica's got a Chris a, a work friend Christmas party. Yeah. Mm. So were you specifically invited or invited as the DD or just the DD? <laughs> no, I'm in, I'm invited. Oh, okay. But I'm being the DD because it's like, well, because we do like a lot of stuff for like army like army functions and stuff and yeah erica's normally like well it's your friends like you can you can drink i'll drive or whatever so it's kind of the opposite like i'm taking the hit you know so that she can drink with her friends all so. right well at least you got invited because Allie's she was just departing to her her work they're doing a i don't know if i told you but you know they've got a little it's it's not shady but uh, I'm not quite sure what she does, but so anyway, <laughs> but it should, it's like financial advising. She gets paid in like foreign currency. I, I don't know. I don't know how it works. Um, I don't know. It, we're, we're in Mexico now, so, you know, you can say this freely over the airwaves, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but they're all going out to like a bar crawl first and then like, like dinner. And I was like, oh, it's kind of like, you know, just assuming like, you know, yeah. family, significant like, others, whatever. You're invited, too. clearly. And she was like, "Oh, you can meet up with us after dinner." And I was like, "Whoa, am I not, am I not invited?" And she's like, "No, it was pretty flat out, pretty flat out wow. now." So that's why I went with the heavy IPAs. So right. in case I have to meet meet these people late at night, then 
<laughs> I, uh, <laughs> that I could keep up with them. I yeah, I've. Uh, they're not doing dinner at this place, so it's like eat dinner and then show up. Um, so they didn't, you know, have a chance to not invite me to dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the natural progression of things: eat then drink. But yeah. you know, to to each their own. Yeah. So. All right, I guess this should actually be the end of the episode. <laughs> a lot of extra credits. Credit yeah. scenes there. Bonus, bonus features. Yeah, yeah.